shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him in songs with instruments for our God is a great God.
If you'd like to take this opportunity to greet someone around you, that'd be a, this would be a good time to do that. Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to church. How how do I follow that up? I have have no idea. We'll just just start with the way we normally do. We're just so thankful that you're here, and we look forward to connecting with you. Um, If you're visiting and you haven't had an opportunity to do so, if you would go to the desk after the service, and, and we have a little gift for you. If you haven't gotten one before, we'd love to give you a gift. Um... We have a, uh, a link tree that has all of our information on it, has how you can give, has a digital copy of the bulletin, has all the events that we're going to talk about this morning. If you would te- text CONNECT to 904-441-6900 or scan the QR code that's up there or the QR code that's in your bulletin, you can get that information and that would put you right in touch with us. You can give us your prayer requests, tell us how we can, look, how we can pray for you and how we can help you in your walk. Um, we have a beach baptism coming up next Sunday, the 24th. We'd love to see you there. If you're interested in, the, in a beach baptism or you're interested in any baptism, you don't have to, have to get baptized at the beach if you don't want to. If you're interested in any baptism, if you would come see a counselor after the service, they would walk you through that process and get you, get you connected. In two weeks in the atrium, it'll be full of missionaries and Uh, missions partners from all around the country, all around our city, and all around the world. And so you really don't want to miss that. We'll have 30-plus tables in the atrium out there. Is that me? We'll have 30-plus tables in the atrium out there, and you can can connect with our our mission partners, our missionaries. Also, um, if you are a senior adult, um, if you'll look in your bulletin or you would um, get the link on the link tree, there is a whole list of senior adult activities and trips that, you're, that we'll be forming, including a uh, senior adult luncheon coming up at the beginning of next month. We're just so glad you're here, and we look forward to, the, to giving you a great service this morning. God bless. Well, let's stand together, please, as we sing again.
non-communication eye looks that says you're supposed to do something else right now.
turn and find somebody you don't know, give them that lovely face. Not the grumpy one, give them the ugly, the lovely face. Welcome them here this morning. Good morning, church. It's so good to see all of you this morning. I am so thankful to be here with you. I'll give you a second to find a seat. Praise God, who's blessed us with every blessing in heaven because he and we belong to him, to Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. I have the honor this morning of sharing with you um, our generosity moment. Life Journey Church is in Edmond, Alberta, Canada, and that is where Pastor Walter is this morning. He is bringing the message for their fifth anniversary and their first fun Sunday as fully a self-supporting church. Amen to that. Amen. We have been sponsoring them. We have walked, walked alongside of them for five years, and they are so grateful for all of you here in this room and in our whole church. You support the church budget and the Acts 1-8 mission, which it makes it possible for us to join in the, with the Lord in making that impact in their community and in ours as well and throughout the world. So we are so thankful. There's a few ways, as most of you know, that we have for giving, and one is for our general fund, our budget fund, and that helps to keep our lights on and our air on. Thank you, Jesus. We need the air this summer for sure. But we also have the one, the Acts 1-8 Missions Fund that you can give to, and also for the Generations to Come Fund as well as we're building the built two buildings. So I would love for you this morning, if you would pray with me as we pray over not um, only Canada, Alberta, Canada, but here for our church and all around the world. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so, so grateful and so thankful that we have such a giving and generous church and all over the world, family of believers that even watch us um, on, on our telecast that we do every Sunday. And we are so blessed and so thankful. I pray for Alberta, Canada, for the church there. Lord, I pray for our church. And I pray for the churches in our future that we'll be planting. And I pray for the children that will be coming. And for the adults that will be coming with their children, Lord. I pray for all. Lord, that you would be and always be continuing to guide us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Y'all have a blessed week. Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you in the house this morning. Everybody hear me? Is my mic okay? No. You want me to use this one? Okay, got it. All right, now we're good. Everybody hear me? We're awake? We're ready to go? All right, well, you heard Pastor Walter is out of town, so I thought it'd be a good time for me to talk about a few controversial things while he's out. Um, so you know that we'll be on a service called Divided Heart, so I just thought I'd see how divided we are in here, okay? I'm going to give you two uh, things that I'm going to say, and I, I want to know which one you would prefer, okay? And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. This is our, our example. This is our trial run, okay? Coke or Pepsi? If you like Coke, better raise your hand. If you like Pepsi, better raise your hand. Okay, that's a little divided. Okay. All right, here we go. There's a good one. If you are a morning person or a night person, okay? Morning person, raise your hand. An evening person. Some of you, a lot of you, <laughs> no wonder you guys come to the late service. I understand that. <laughs> that makes sense now. All right, this one, gosh. Please, nobody leave after this one, okay? Is it pecan or pecan, all right? Pecan, raise your hand. Pecan, raise your hand. Oh, my goodness. Golly. Okay. Chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Chocolate ice cream, raise your hand. Vanilla ice cream, raise your hand. You chocolate people live on the edge, I know. All right, a few more here. Dogs or cats? Dogs, raise your hand. Cats, raise your hand. If you're... 
like cats, you're outnumbered in here. I just want to let you know. Whatever, take it how you want it. But okay, one more. We're all familiar with cake in here, right? We know what, we know what cake's about. We, we appreciate cake. Now, do you like the icing part of the cake better or the cake part of the cake better? All right, icing, raise your hand. The cake part, raise your hand. Okay, good. Those that just eat the icing worry me a little bit. I'm concerned about them. Well, it may be okay for us to have differing viewpoints on things as a church body, as believers. You know, one area that I think is important that we are not divided on is understanding and pursuing the heart of God. We want to be unified with the purpose, the plan, and really the heart that the Lord has. And so as we go through our new series called Divided Heart, we're going through the kings of Israel, and unfortunately for many of them, they had divided hearts against the will and plan of God. And we're going to look through, and today we're going to be looking at Rehoboam, and Pastor Walter kicked off our series looking at King Solomon. And just to give you a few uh, things, uh, context to understand Rehoboam, Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. And so we, we see him inheriting the kingdom. And Rehoboam inherited a pretty strong kingdom, right? Uh, Solomon was uh, wise. Uh, he, he inherited quite a bit of wealth and power in the nation. And so we saw a lot of prosperity. And so as Rehoboam enters in, we see that he has a strong kingdom with wealth, with prosperity, and power. But as it came into his kingship, we see that he had a divided heart against God. We're going to be looking here in just a minute in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, and that highlights a lot of Rehoboam, but also in 1 Kings. But I want to read just a portion of 2 Chronicles chapter 12 before we get into our main passage to give us an understanding of who Rehoboam was. In 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1, it says, When the rule of Rehoboam was established... And he was strong. And then there's a comma. It says, he abandoned the law of the Lord and all of Israel with him. All right, so that kind of helps us understand who Rehoboam was. His will, his desire, his plan was not to follow the law of the Lord, but to follow his own ways. Shortly after this happened, you need to know that uh, the king of Egypt basically sacked Jerusalem where Rehoboam was. Uh, the Lord's protection was uh, taken away from Rehoboam or Israel because they were not pursuing the Lord. And so we see this happening. Rehoboam, the people of Israel, in the midst of this uh, siege, humble themselves before the Lord, right? Anytime in a bad situation, what do we do? We humble ourselves. God, I need your help. And God relented and spared them um, some major, in some major ways. So that gives you a little bit of backstory. Our main passage is going to be 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 13 through 16. And if you can this morning, I ask you to please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Verse 13 of 2 Chronicles chapter 12. So King Rehoboam grew strong in Jerusalem and reigned. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city that the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Nehemiah, an Ammonite, and he did evil. For he did not set his heart to seek the Lord. And now the acts of Rehoboam from first to last, are they not written in the chronicles of Shemaiah the prophet and of Edu the seer? They were continual wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. And Rehoboam slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And Abijah, his son, reigned in his place. Abijah, uh, you may be seated this morning. Can I grab one of these mics, Justin? Thank you, sir. That is so much better. Okay, you guys can hear me okay a little bit better. All right, so kind of give us, again, a context of what's going on. Rehoboam takes leadership, but what happens is he does not serve the Lord. He, in fact, he walks away from the Lord. And so I, I want to focus in on this morning that King Rehoboam, a, a man that was a divided heart, he was supposed to be leading the people of Israel, supposed to be guiding and directing them, uh, to chose to pursue his own intentions. And so this morning, I want to focus on three things that divided the kingdom of Israel in the heart of Rehoboam. The application for us is the things that divided Rehoboam's heart in the kingdom of Israel, I think if we're not careful, will divide our hearts against the will and purpose and plan of God. And so if you're taking notes, the first thing that we see that divided 
God in Rehoboam's heart and the people of Israel is they had divided attention. They had divided attention. It says that when, when the rule of Rehoboam was established and he was strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord. King Rehoboam came to a place where he no longer looked at the law of the Lord, but he looked to his own desires and his will. You say, well, Sam, how, how did this happen? How did Rehoboam come from, uh, you know, David's lineage, uh, from David to Solomon to Rehoboam? And how did he fall away? We knew that David was a man after God's own heart. But we saw in David's line and at the end of David's life, end of Solomon's life, what happened was there was a gradual slip. And they began to focus less and less on the will and the plan of the Lord. We know that Solomon, wise as all, and yet he chased after wealth and power and lust. And so as, as Rehoboam entered in the kingdom, uh, this is what he knew was to chase after these things and not the plan and the will of the Lord. So we see, how did this happen? One, I think it says that he inherited a strong kingdom, so he had everything going for him. And oftentimes when everything goes well, what happens? We get a little bit complacent, right? <laughs> I don't know that I necessarily need the help of the Lord. I don't need the law of the Lord. And we neglect to keep our attention on God. So I think there was a complacency thing. But also, I think that Rehoboam, there was this gradual slip of putting his attention and focus on the Lord. I think if we were to be honest, we didn't wake up one day, as maybe as Christ followers who are, are struggling to keep our attention on the Lord, we didn't just say one day, well, hey, I'm not going to follow the law of the Lord anymore. What happened is we said, I'm not going to read my Bible today. <laughs> I'm not going to pray today or this afternoon. I'm not going to go to church this weekend. And what happened is that began to become a habit. And so we see this gradual slip in the life of Rehoboam, and his attention was off. Complacency can be a dangerous place in our life. And out of this place of complacency, uh, a gradual decline happened in the life of Rehoboam. Uh, you know, I think for us, as we look at Rehoboam, we need to be challenged to ensure that our attention and our focus is on the Lord. Rehoboam had a lot of distractions. I would argue today that we have just as many distractions in our world, right? So many things pull from our attention, right? Our, our work, our, our, our family life, sometimes can be difficult uh, providing for our family, the things that are going on in the world. Uh, it doesn't take much to go on social media or the news and to be distracted from putting our attention on the Lord. And so I, I would challenge you with this question. Rehoboam's heart was divided against the Lord because his attention was not on him. What is distracting you from putting your full attention on the Lord? You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've noticed over the years how difficult it is to keep your attention in driving sometimes, especially if you're on the highway, right? There are so many things that can happen while you're driving, uh, especially if you're on the highway. You can be driving on the highway and as you're driving, and your goal is to arrive at the destination that you're, you know, you need to look at the signs, you need to look at the map, you need to get to where you're planning to go. But all while you're trying to drive, there's all these other drivers, and most of them drive like they're really, really mad at something, or they're really, really lost. Either one, right? And so you're trying to drive to get to where you're going, and you're trying to avoid colliding into these people who are really mad or really, really lost. All while, uh, there's all these billboards on the side of the road, right? Bucky's Gas Station, 30 miles, 300 flavors of beef jerky, right? They've got all these things. Meanwhile, in your car, there's a phone in there. You're getting text messages. You're hearing the radio go. Uh, and, and then if, if you're like me, you have uh, this lady named Siri telling me where to go and telling me I missed my turn, that I need to make a U-turn when it's convenient. And sort, certainly after Siri tells me I missed my turn, my wife loves to tell me I would have turned back there just to let you know. Not to mention if you have kids. I've got one telling me that they needed to go to the bathroom 30 minutes ago, and they're just telling me, and I've got another one asking me when we're going to be there. We just left. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm supposed to keep my attention on the road and getting us to where we need to go. There are a lot of distractions. It's a wonder any of us get to any place. <laughs> on time, in one piece, at the right place. You know, I think when we talk about being distracted and putting our full attention on the Lord, right? The Lord guides and directs us to where we should go, 
how we should follow him, how we should allow him to lead our lives. And when we are so distracted with looking at the things of the world, what happens is we miss God's leading in our life. We miss the divine appointments that he places in our life. And so our attention, uh, just like when you're driving, can I tell you the road needs your full attention, right? Can I tell you in life the Lord needs your full attention? Don't miss where he's leading you. Don't miss where he's taking you. Because when you miss where the Lord's taking you, you miss out the fullness of knowing the blessing that God has for you in your life. King Rehoboam, he, he missed out because his attention was not on the things of the Lord, but on the things of himself. And I would say where your attention is, where your focus is, it needs to be on the Lord. And if your attention is not on him, then I would say that you need to check your intentions, where your intentions at. And, and, and in, to ensure that you're Meeting the intentions that you have, look at where you're intentionally doing. What are you intentionally doing? That's our next point. Our next point. Something that happened in the, in the kingdom of Israel and what happened in King Rehoboam is they had divided intentions. It says in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, in our passage of scripture, it says, because they had been unfaithful to the Lord, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Right? Their intentions were not on the Lord. You know, a part of King Rehoboam's call was to lead the people of God in a manner that glorified and honored the Lord, right? Following after his laws, following after his leading. And when King Rehoboam took his focus off God, he got intentional about not following after God, but intentionally doing the things that he wanted. Uh, as King Rehoboam came, we see this in, in 1 Kings chapter 12. Uh, he meets with the elders who had consoled or counseled with King Solomon. And, and he goes to the elders and says, what do I need to do as king? And this is what they say. If you will be a servant to this people, the people of Israel, those who have been put king over, today and serve them, speak good words to them. When you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. Verse 8. But he abandoned the council. See, King Rehoboam's intentions was not to be the king that God had called him. It was not to serve the people that God had called him to lead. But his intentions were to go about his own desires, his own will, that his kingdom, that he would prosper. And I think there's an incredible lesson on leadership here. See, Rehoboam's call, again, was to pursue the Lord and serve the needs of the nations of Israel. But his intentions were not there. He had a divided heart. Real leaders don't look to be served. Real leaders look to serve those around them. <clears throat> King Rehoboam missed an incredible opportunity to serve those whom God had trusted him to watch over. You want to lead people well? Build a strong relational connection with those whom you are leading. You know, I, I love to think that you know, great leaders do a great job of building relationships with whom they lead. And if you're a good leader and you do that, you care for those, you serve those whom God has given you, you know what? They will stick with you through thick and thin, through difficult days, through hard days, through challenging days, bumps in the road. They will stand with you. This is a leadership principle. I, I was thinking about this principle the other day, and I was uh, helping a, a family move some furniture to a house that was in need, and, and I was pulling a trailer behind my truck, and as I was pulling the trailer behind my truck, I, I hit a really big bump in the road. And, and just out of habit, I thought, well, I'll look in the rearview mirror to make sure the trailer was there. I looked in the rearview mirror, and the trailer was not there. <laughs> you talk about being so nervous in my life. I, I, I stopped, and I turned around, and luckily, I was able to get the trailer before anybody hit it and hook it back up. But the problem was this. I did not hook the trailer up and did not have a good connection on the ball, and thus it came off, Right? You know, there's a lesson in leadership there. If you have a good connection between the trailer and the truck, that trailer will go wherever you go. It will follow you all the time. If you hit bumps in the roads, it's not going to come off. It's going to stay with you the whole time, right? But you have to make sure that there is a good connection. For leaders, you want to lead people well, make sure there's a good relational connection between those whom God has called you to. You know, as, as Christ followers, I believe that each and every one of us is in a place of leadership. God has called us to lead in our sphere of influence. 
He's equipped us through the power of his Holy Spirit to share the good news of Jesus to the world around us. We are in a leadership position. People are looking to us. Whether it's your family, whether it's your workplace, whether uh, you're a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, you as a Christ follower are in a position of leadership. May it be said about us that we look not to serve our own interests, our own needs, but that we follow the exampleship of Christ and that we come to serve those whom God has put in our sphere of influence. Rehoboam missed this lesson. He missed this lesson on leadership and he made it about serving himself and, and the kingdom ambitions that he had to grow in power. And uh, because of this, the kingdom struggled. And we see that Israel struggled because their leader was not there to set an example. And we see not only that he had divided intentions, but he also had divided ambitions. That's the third thing that you can write down. Divided ambitions. What separated, what divided the heart of Rehoboam and the people of Israel from God's heart? They had divided ambitions. There's an interesting part of 2 Chronicles that talks about, in chapter 12, at the end of basically giving a summation of Rehoboam's life. And it's not a very optimistic one, right? It says this in verse, verse 15. It says, Now the acts of Rehoboam from first to last, are they not written in the chronicles of Shemaiah and the prophet uh, Edu the seer? And listen to this. There were continual wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Now listen, I left out a part of Rehoboam's life and, and really uh, what he was defined by as a king. See, as he took over uh, as king, what happened is uh, there was a call from the people of Israel saying, hey, Solomon was hard on us. He was difficult. He, he worked us hard. And, and, and we're asking you as king, will you relent a little bit? Will you give us some mercy? Will you give us some grace? Will you serve us as the people? And Rehoboam took some time, and, and as he thought about it, he came back to the people of Israel, and he says, no, I'm going to be harder than my father was upon you. And in that very moment, there was a, a young man named Jeroboam who decided to split the kingdom of Israel. And so he took a part of the people that uh, King Rehoboam was in charge of leading, and he took them, and what happened is what we have is called the split between the southern and northern kingdoms of Israel. Now, the southern was where Rehoboam was, and it was known as the kingdom of Judah, and then the rest of them under Jeremiah were the northern kingdoms, and this is referred to as Israel. What's so incredibly sad about this is the call that Rehoboam had was to unite the people of God, to be together. And unfortunately, we see this happen over and over again in churches where God has called us to be united, and Jesus in the garden prayed for unity among his people. What happens a competition happens, and it splits the people of God. And this is what we see happen in Rehoboam's life. And his ambition no longer was to unite the kingdom. It was no longer to pursue the will of God. But his ambition was to be better than Jeroboam, right? It was this competition, and thus it sprang wars. But here's the really sad thing. Because Rehoboam got caught up in the comparison game. At the end of his life, he had nothing to show for it except wars and division. You and I, friend, we can so easily get caught up in the comparison game. And we can make our ambition in life to be better or greater than our neighbor, to have more, to look like we have more. And it can become this competition. And we look to have these things. But can I tell you from the story of Rehoboam at the end of his life when he lived his life just to be in competition and compare himself to what the others were doing, he ended up in a place where he had nothing to show for it. The only way, the only way that we can have something to show for this life, the scriptures talk about that we have a calling on our life to redeem the time that has been given to us. The only way that we can redeem the time that has been given to us is to live fully for the Lord Jesus. That must be our ambition. I heard this one saying that God is calling us to kingdom ambition. Ambition that is motivated for the expansion and the full realization of God's kingdom. That needs to be our focus. What is your ambition? What are you focused on? 
Is it focused on having more or doing more than your neighbor? Or is it focused in on pursuing the Lord at all costs? You know, there was a, a missionary some years ago that was made famous. And maybe you've heard of him. And it was, his name was Nate Saint. And Nate Saint was a missionary and a pilot. And uh, he flew down to Ecuador. And maybe you, you, you've heard his story in the, in the movie Into the Spear. And, uh, Nate flew to Ecuador and he found this indigenous tribe that never heard the gospel. And so he, he landed his plane in the middle of the jungle and he began to start building a relationship with this indigenous people. And he, along with four other missionaries, started trying to reach out to them and share the gospel with them. Well, something tragic happened in his life. Those missionaries, along with Nate, one day uh, the tribe uh, decided that they were going to murder the missionaries. And they killed all the missionaries that were there. And I'm sure after Nate was uh, killed right there trying to reach this people group, uh, I'm sure that many people said, why in the world would he waste his life going to an indigenous people in the middle of the Ecuador forest and share the gospel? Why would he do that? But see, God had greater plans. See, because his family didn't give up on the plan and the mission that they had started with. And his family, in fact, would go back to the very place where they were murdered and they started a mission to try to reach the people. And you know what? People began to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. See, Nate's life wasn't a mission. It wasn't a loss. He had kingdom perspective to see what God was calling him to do. You know, what's even more incredible about the story is Nate's son, Steve, later many years would go back and the very man that murdered his dad would later baptize him. See, sometimes if we're not careful, we can live our lives with the ambition of the things of this world. And we can miss out on those eternal things that really matter. Nate was quoted once saying this. He says, and people who don't know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. But they forget that they are too expending their lives. And the, the bubble has burst and they finally have nothing of internal significance to show for their years. They have wasted their life. Friends, God has called us to live with eternal significance. And the only way that I know how to do that is to follow after the Lord Jesus with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if we're not careful, we can put our ambitions on the things of this world and we can miss out on the internal significance that God calls us to have. My prayer for you and my prayer for me is that one day as we enter into the end of our days and we stand before the presence of the Lord, my prayer is that we will have lived fully for his kingdom and for his purpose so that the Lord may say unto us, well done, good This morning, you know, as I, as I look at King Rehoboam's life, I'm challenged. Because <laughs> sometimes I, I'm challenged to keep my attention on the Lord. Sometimes I'm challenged to, to make sure my intentions to, are to intentionally serve Him and others. And sometimes I'm challenged to make sure that my ambition, my goals, my desire is to serve the Lord in His kingdom. And so sometimes I got to go back to the Lord and I got to humble myself before Him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. For not putting you in the place that you deserve. And that's first place in my life. So this morning as we have a time of invitation, maybe you're like me. And you need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I just need to put you first and foremost. Can I tell you, there's a time of invitation here. And, 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 there, and there's nothing special about these steps up here. But if God is calling you to take a step of obedience and you want to come pray here this morning, I want you to know that the altar's open. But maybe this morning, as you're saying, Sam, I've been living my life too long without intentionality, without purpose. And maybe today would be the day that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I, I, can I tell you that it, that moment when you put your faith and trust in him, boy, life is going to flow out of you. You're going to find purpose. You're going to find meaning. And you're going to find forgiveness and redemption. And if that's you this morning, I want to invite you that I'd love to pray for you. I'd love for you to talk to one of the counselors. But if he's leading, I pray that you'd be bold enough to step out in faith this morning and put your trust in him. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, that, God, you can use us as broken as we are, Lord, as needing of a Savior as we are. 
God, for eternal significance. And not that we can do it in our, in our own power, God, but through your power, through your grace, you can use us for a mighty way. Lord, may our attention, may our worship, may our focus ever be on you. Lord, as we look at Rehoboam's divided heart, may that not be said about us. But God, may we have a united heart, one in spirit, and one in purpose to follow the Lord Jesus all the days of our life. It's in your holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Church, let's stand, let's worship. And if God's leading you this morning to take a step of faith, I encourage you to come this morning. Let's worship. When we walk with the brought you up from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant of our Lord Jesus. Equip you in every good thing to do his will by doing in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory 